Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast, Brunch with Tesby. Happy Sunday, guys. I hope that you're feeling blessed, less stressed, and feeling like you're the you're the best. <laughs> What's up, you guys? Happy Sunday and welcome back to Brunch with Desby. I'm your host, Des, also known as Des B. And the B is for bringing you guys the coolest people on my podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode, as you see by the title, something pretty traumatic, something that a lot of people wouldn't want to talk about, but I'm very excited to have my friend Lexi on, um, who, you know, we have a very funny backstory. She's followed me since like 2017. And last year, um, when she was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer, her friend reached out to me and just said, Hey Des, you know, I know that you are supportive of your followers and like my best friend, Lexi, this is her story. Um, I don't mean to ask you for much, but like, here's her GoFundMe and just, she just got married right around when you did blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, when I see those messages, I really do try to go out of my way to support in whatever way I can. And I just felt called by God to help in whatever way that I could. At this point in time, I had just lost my grand my, well, my grandpa and my grandma to different forms of cancer. And I was just like, you know what? I, I feel called to help. So I donated to Lexi's GoFundMe and we just began to be friends. And on social media, we chat and now we have each other's phone number and we chat and we hang out and, um, well, you know, via hangout of like internet. And so I was excited to get on a podcast with her so she could share her story and just remind us all of the blessings that we have and also use my platform to get her story out there and hopefully help someone else out there who is either going through the same thing or knows someone or, you know, one day this might be a future episode for someone, you know what I mean? And so really excited to have her on. So with that being said, I I really don't want to waste time here dilly-dallying around. I want you guys to have full attention on this podcast. So all, um, you know, housekeeping stuff, my Patreon account, live workouts, um, my app, upcoming challenge, um, everything in between. I can't believe that we've been, we've been doing this together for almost a year, y'all. A year, y'all. We've almost been buddies for a year. Um, so anyways, I'll be going over everything more in detail here at the end, but honestly, I just want to get into the podcast so that you guys can hear her story. So feel free to sit back, relax, enjoy your drive, enjoy your drink, whatever's in front of you this Sunday, um, and meet my friend Lexi. Let me just start out. I want to give you the floor right away. Tell okay. me, like, just like I'm, I don't even know you, tell me your background, everything about you up to, let's just say the year ago. So what, what's your, what's your story? Okay. So I grew up in Lancaster, California, like super small desert town. Um, grew up in like private school my whole life. I could not wait to get out of California, which is like, that's so funny, <laughs> which is like shocking. Cause everyone's like, dude, why? Like California so cool. And I'm like, no, where I grew up, it was like the desert like not pretty at all. And I just wanted to like be on my own. So when I was 19, I went off to college in Florida, um, where I met my husband and, uh, I went through nursing school, like knew I wanted to be a nurse all throughout high school. I just like wanted to help people. And, um, my mom went through brain surgery when I was in high school and I just kind of saw the way the nurses took care of her. 
And I was like, dude, I want to be that for someone else. Like I want to help someone else the way that they helped my mom. And, um, I always just like had that in my heart. And so I went off to nursing school. Um, like I said, met my husband, he's from Michigan. So um, yeah, I, I had never been to Michigan before meeting him. And like literally first time I visited, I was like, I love this place. Like it's magical. It's perfect. And everyone thought I was just crazy. Like you go from California to Florida and like, you like Michigan, like, what? but, uh, Michigan's beautiful. So, uh, Anyways, after I graduated in May of 2016, I moved up to Michigan to be with my, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, but I knew we would end up getting married and stuff. So I moved up here to be with him, um, got a job at one of the local hospitals that I really wanted to get a job at and um, started working as a med surge nurse uh, for like three and a half years and um, got a lot of really good experience. And I'm super thankful for that time, but I always knew I wanted to do like labor and delivery. Um, so basically switched over to labor and delivery, uh, in 2019 and worked that for a few months. And, um, I got two beautiful dogs. They're like our children. Um, uh, <laughs> my husband and I got married in November of 2019. Um, and yeah, my whole family actually ended up moving from California to Michigan, um, in 2018. Wow. So, yeah, they, they would always come up and visit during the winter. They always wanted to see the snow. Mm-hmm. And um, they're always like, man, we would love to live here. Michigan's just so beautiful. I'm like, dude, I know. Like, you guys should just move up here. And um, they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, well, what's holding you back? And they're like, I guess nothing. So they, like, literally, basically within, like, a week made a decision to, like, move across the country. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So now I have my mom and my dad here with me, my two brothers, uh, my brother's wife and their two kids, and then my um, younger brother and his fiance. So I got my whole family here now. Nick's whole family is here now. And um, yeah, dude, we're just like living it up in Michigan. That's so crazy because, and obviously we're we're going to get into your story or let's just say that the next chapter that your story kind of took, but to think back and putting it in perspective of like God's way of getting everyone that you need around you, around you is just yeah. like really bone chilling to me. Literally. And I'm telling you, Des, like there's been so many things that have just like lined up too perfectly to just like not know that God has been in it this whole time. Because it's like my husband and I, we dated from 2011 and we didn't get married till 2019. And everyone thought we were so crazy. Like, why are you guys waiting so long? You know, Mm -hmm. but we just wanted to do things like a specific way. And um, like, how crazy is it that God made Nick, my husband, three months before I would take on the hardest thing in my life you know oh man that is is so oh man I'm shaking I gotta like shake it out because it's this whole story is just gonna be uh, just amazing I can already tell like already even knowing it and like reading your updates and hearing it it's just it there's something different about hearing it from the source right like hearing it from your voice telling your story and again there's just so many people out there that need to hear from people like you and even just to know how to support people that are in their lives that are going through that too. And there's, there's so many things that, you know, you'd never think it happened to you. And I'm sure you went through the first, you know, quarter century of your life thinking, oh, it'll never happen to me or that not even thinking about it. And, and then here you are, you know what I mean? And you're, you're embracing this journey that you're on. So I love that you were also had that nurse experience. So when you were in med surge nurse, what is that different? Like, what is that versus just a normal, like bedside nurse? So med surge is like basically where a lot of people start. It's where you get 
the most patient, like nurse patient ratio, usually have five patients to one nurse. And you can literally get any age from like 18 to like 100. And they come in with all different kinds of medical problems. So if they're like not sick enough to be in the ICU, but they're there with like pneumonia or a heart attack or they have wounds or they have some kind of infection, like they would come to a med surge floor. So um, I saw people with cancer um, on the med surge floor, Um, you know, never really anyone young um, because there are specific units like just for cancer patients. But if they had like other problems and they couldn't just go to like the cancer floor, um, they would come to us. So I was blessed to be able to take care of like so many people and just learn so much, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, like from the nursing side, you know. Right. Um, And like you were saying before, when you were saying, you know, you just never imagined it would happen to you. It's like, especially being a nurse, you're just like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, like you almost feel like you're immune to it because you're like, I see it all the time. Like, that's so crazy that this is happening to other people. Um, But yeah, again, like you just never think that it'll be you. Absolutely. And and having that experience and that education as a nurse, I could only imagine how it, it, uh, man, it could probably play like a double-edged sword experience. Am I right? 100%. Yeah. I tell people, cause they're like, do you think it's been really good for you that you're a nurse or like really bad? And I'm like, honestly, it's, it's both because on one hand, it's like, I've been able to advocate for myself more and I'm very familiar with like the terminology and the testing and, you know, I've been able to like really advocate for myself and reach out to multiple providers. And like, I know my options, but at the same time, you know, being a Christian and having faith, it's really hard when you know, medically, you know, like these are the statistics, Mm -hmm. like this is what's supposed to happen. And then looking past those statistics and being like, but this is what God can do. It's really hard, you know, because Mm -hmm. I feel like when you don't have a medical background, Sometimes I feel like it's almost easier to have faith because you don't fully understand everything. Like my parents, for example, like they were like so super hopeful and, you know, don't listen to any of the statistics, but it's like they're the statistics are there for a reason, you know, because that's what normally happens. And I think that, like I said, when you don't have a medical background, it's a lot easier to have faith. Um, But when you come from a medical background, you're kind of just like, okay, like I understand God can do miracles, but like, I'm really going to need a miracle. Right. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I I feel like my listeners are probably on edge because we're not even to the (laughs) the piece of the pie that kind of like fits this whole equation together. So we we already got up to the point where you're in Michigan, your whole family's in Michigan. You, you just got married. You're in bliss things. I would only assume you're on a high because I know how that feels post-wedding. You're like, holy crap. I am I am thriving. I'm literally in the best part of my life. I'm growing my husband and my dogs and a house or whatever you have, you know? So walk us through then the year of 2020. Okay. So I'm actually going to go back to 2019 because I feel like that's really when the story starts for me. So 2019 was like super stressful. Like in April, Nick and I bought our first home, um, like leading up to our wedding. I actually got a a second job. So I was working three days a week as a med surge nurse. And then I decided to get a second job to kind of help pay for like the appliances and the furniture in the house and all this stuff. Um, And it was like a flex position where I was floating between five different hospitals Mm -hmm. and it was super stressful, but I was like, I can, you know, do it for like a year, you know, just to like get some extra income. And then I was getting my master's in nursing education. So I was in school. And then um, I ended up deciding to switch my primary job of med surge nursing, which I had done for like three and a half years 
and make the jump to working labor and delivery. So now I'm like learning a whole different kind of nursing. Um, I worked day shift for like three months during the summer. And then I transitioned to night shift, like right around October. And I was getting married in November. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I really, I, yeah, I really didn't want to work nights, but I was like, I love labor and delivery. It's what I want to do. It'll be like a short-term sacrifice. Um, and then I was like, and I got like three weeks off for my wedding, you know, like the week before and like the week of, and the week after. So I'm like, it'll be fine. Like I'll have like a little break at least when I start nights. So when I started working nights in October, um, I started having like these weird symptoms. Like I was feeling full after eating meals. I, um, just didn't really have even like much of an appetite. And, um, I had a little bit of nausea sometimes, which is like really not normal for me. And I remember talking to my coworkers that work nights and I'm like, dude, do you guys feel like this? Like, is this normal? And they were all like, oh yeah. Like when you start working nights, your body's so messed up. Like, you know, it's totally normal to feel like that. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, that sucks. I hope that this goes away, (laughs) but um, I guess it might be worth it. And I loved my job. I loved what I was doing in labor and delivery. So I'm like, I'll just stick it out. I have three weeks coming up um, that I have off. So I'll go back to like my day shift schedule during those three weeks and I'll probably start feeling better. So I kind of just blew it off until um, those three weeks that we had off. And uh, unfortunately, like the, the side effects, like the symptoms were getting a little bit better, but they were still there. And um, I just remember like, it was probably like a week after we had gotten back from our honeymoon, I was back to working nights. I worked a night shift. I came home and slept, like took a nap. I wasn't working again that night. So I had the rest of the day off. And I remember waking up at like 2 p.m. And my husband was on the couch and I was like, I, I'm going to go to urgent care. And he's like, why? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I just feel like there's something not right with my stomach. He's like, is it bothering you right now? And I was like, no, not right now. But I just feel like it's been bothering me for like the last like month and a half. I've kind of just blown it off, but it hasn't really gotten better. In fact, it's like kind of getting a little bit worse. And I just like want to know what it is. I think I have like an ulcer or something. And he's like, yeah, if you think you need to go get it checked out, then go get it checked out. So I went to urgent care and I remember sitting in the waiting room just feeling so dumb. I'm like, dude, I'm a nurse and I'm about to come into this urgent care (laughs) and be like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, my stomach hurts sometimes, you know, like sometimes I'm a little nauseous. I'm like, they're going to be like, dude, get out of here, you know? Mm Um, so I go back to this doctor and, you know, he's asked me a bunch of questions and I'm like, yeah, you know, I just switched to working nights and this and that. And he's like, you know, you're, you're probably just stressed, you know, you're so young and everything. And I was like, you think I can get like a endoscopy? It's when they put a camera down your throat and look in your stomach and they can like look for ulcers or look for like gastritis. If your tissues in your stomach are like inflamed or whatever. And I knew it was like in my stomach because it was like the left side of my body, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was nauseous and everything. And he's like, no, you know, he's like, I wouldn't order that right now anyways, but like you're at urgent care. So you can't even, I can't even put in orders for that. You'd have to come see me in my office. So he gave me some Zofran, which is like an anti-nausea medicine. And he's like, you know, you could take this when you need it. And if things don't get better, I want to give me Prilosec too, because he thought I had like heartburn. Mm -hmm. So he's like, take this for two weeks, take the Zofran. If it doesn't get better, like come back to my office. And like, before I knew it, like literally the Zofran was gone and I was not feeling any better. So I went to his office and he did more tests. Now, mind you, when I was in urgent care, they ran all my blood work and it was perfect. Okay. And when I went to his office a few weeks later, ran more blood work, ran my urine, 
did like an H. pylori breath test, um, which H. pylori is a precursor to stomach cancer. I remember that. And it also, on your IGTV. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. <laughs> yep. And a lot of people have H. pylori. It's like a common stomach bacteria, but, and it's really easily treatable with antibiotics. But if you don't know you have it, then you don't get it treated. Then it can like, you know, get worse. So um, tested for that. And that was negative. So he was still like, I just think it's stress, you know, maybe he was like pressing around my stomach. He's like, maybe it's your gallbladder. I'm like, dude, it's not my gallbladder. Like I'm a nurse. I know it's not after I eat greasy or fast food. It's like all the time that I get nauseous. It's like randomly I'd be sitting on my couch at home, not eating or drink anything. And I would just get this huge wave of nausea, Mm -hmm. like, like horribly. And I never had really thrown up in my life, maybe like two times. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this is definitely not normal. And again, I asked for a scope and he's like, you're so young, you're so healthy. It's really invasive. You know, they got to put you to sleep and everything. Let's, let's check your gallbladder first. You know, and now this is getting around the holidays. So when I went to book that test that he wanted for my gallbladder, everything was full. Mm. So, um, I couldn't get in until like the middle of January to get this test done. So middle of January comes, I get this test done. It's negative. And at this point I'm getting like really frustrated because I felt like I was getting sicker and sicker. And, um, you know, he's telling me everything looks normal. My blood work is normal. All my tests are normal. And I'm thinking like, no, there is something wrong, Mm. you know? So again, when I, when that test came back negative, he's like, I think you're, you know, just stressed. And I'm like, no, I want a scope. And he's like, I don't really feel comfortable ordering that. I said, okay, well, if you don't feel comfortable, you need to send me to someone that can order it for me. So he referred me out to a gastroenterologist. They specialize in the stomach and all that. So I went to see her first week of February and um, this is of 2020. Yep. And she, I, I hopped on a scale and it was the first time I had weighed myself since my wedding. And at my wedding, I was 165. And that was like the perfect weight for me. I'm like 5'11". So I'm pretty tall, felt beautiful. My wedding day felt like that was a perfect weight for me. I had thought I was losing some weight, but when I stepped on the scale, I was 145 pounds. Oh my gosh. And I was like, holy cow, I've lost 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is insane. And I hadn't really been you know, working out cause I was working night shift. So I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like that's like bizarre. So as soon as I sat down with her, I'm like, dude, I lost 20 pounds. Like, and I told her all my symptoms and everything. And she's like, I don't know why he wouldn't order you a scope. Like you should have had a scope done months ago. You know, like, I I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, I've been asking for it since like November. Like, trust me, I know. And, um, she was like, let's get you scheduled for one, like right away. And I remember being like nervous that she was like, I mean, I was excited that she like wanted to do it, but I'm like, okay, so what do you think it could be? And she listed off like five or six things. And I was like, okay, those are all like really treatable. Right. And she's like, oh yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. So, um, she's like, unfortunately the soonest date I have is Valentine's day. Does that work for you? And I was like, yeah, like literally I just want to get it done. So I don't care if it's Valentine's day or my birthday or whatever, just like schedule scope me. me dude scope me <laughs> yeah shove that camera down my throat and figure out what is going on so um she was like okay so um I, of course I work three night shifts in a row leading up to valentine's day I get off of work I rush home Nick's mom is here um to take me to the hospital because you can't drive yourself to a scope because you're under anesthesia but it was supposed to be like a quick outpatient procedure you right. know like 15 20 minutes you recover from the anesthesia in 15 to 20 minutes then you get to go home. And I was like, great, I can go home and sleep. And then I'll go to the grocery store and make Nick like a really fancy dinner because it's our first Valentine's Day as like a married couple. And I had my whole day like planned out. And um, going for the scope, I'm like nervous, but I'm like ready. I get out of the scope and um, I'm like barely 
conscious, you know, cause I'm like still drugged up from the anesthesia and the GI doctor comes in and she's like, Lexi, I don't know how you've been walking around and functioning and working. And I was like, dude, what, like what's going on? She's like, you have a large bleeding ulcer in your stomach that would drop like most grown men to their knees. Like, how have you been able to go to work these last few months? And I was like, dude, I don't know. I mean, I had been in pain and like, yeah, I've been nauseous and everything, but like, I don't know. I'm a woman. And That's I just, why we yeah, are women. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, literally. I should have said that, but I was like, I don't even know. I was like, so drugged up. Um, but then she's like, you know, we're going to just keep you overnight to like monitor, make sure that you're not bleeding too much from that ulcer. And, um, I'm thinking like, that's weird. Cause like I knew my hemoglobin before I came in was like really high, Mm -hmm. like very much within normal limits. And she knows I'm a nurse. So it's like, if I were to go home and start throwing up blood or having bloody bowel movements or whatever, you know, like I could just come back in. It's like a holiday. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't need to keep me here. So I thought that was really weird, but I was just like, honestly, so happy that we had an answer. I'm like, dude, a stomach ulcer, like, yeah, so, give me some Prilosec. So you thought, hey, this is it, that you were like, hey, tap yeah. it off. Let's recover and let's yep. go. Okay. That's like what they made it sound like. I was just like, they're like, yeah, it's a large bleeding ulcer. Like that's what's been causing all these things. I'm like, dude, great. Like I was hoping it was an ulcer. That's what I've been saying for months. It's an ulcer, like, you know? And so um, she's like, we're going to keep you. And I'm like, dude, that's bizarre, but like, whatever. So we get back to the um, emergency bay and like we're waiting for a room and um, the doctor that like wouldn't prescribe me this endoscopy came in with a picture from the endoscopy and was like, see, it's just an ulcer. You're just stressed out. Like, here's your papers. Like, here's your pictures. And I was like, yeah, but like, I wish I'd have found this ulcer a few months ago and like got it figured out and it probably wouldn't have gotten this bad, you know, but I was like, whatever, I'm not going to fight with this dude right now. Like, I'm just too happy to like know that they actually, there is something wrong with me. Because for a while I was like, dude, maybe I'm just like crazy. Right. Like Absolutely. maybe there's nothing actually wrong. Absolutely. So yeah. So he, he comes in, hands me the paper, leaves. My parents end up coming up to see me and they're like, we're all super happy that we have answers to this problem. Cause my parents were getting concerned too. Cause it's like, they would try to feed me something and I just like go throw it right. up. You know, they're like, Lexi, there's something wrong. And they had noticed that I was losing some weight and stuff. So they were just like really happy. Everyone was just happy to have answers. So then I'm sitting there and a nurse comes in and hands me contrast to drink for a CAT scan. And I was like, why am I getting a CAT scan? And they're like, oh, you know, the doctor just ordered it or whatever. And again, I'm not thinking like cancer. I'm thinking, okay, maybe the ulcer, they want to make sure it didn't like perforate through my stomach or something because it's like a pretty big Mm -hmm. ulcer. You know, that's like where my mind was at. And so I go in for this cat scan I get out they have a room for me so I go up to my room and um I'm a nurse at the hospital that I went and got my scope done at so I went into the hospital app I checked my own results (laughs) which I do not recommend um it's legal it's it's like HIPAA okay like I signed a form at my hospital to be able to access my own records and um anyways I clicked on the results I'm like dude that was fast like they got this cat scan back to me quickly so the nurse is in there talking to me my mother-in-law is at my bedside And I opened the CAT scan report and I literally like couldn't even believe my eyes. I'm like scrolling, zooming in and out, making sure I'm in the right person's chart because the only word that like stood out to me was like carcinomatosis, which means cancer of like a large body cavity, which I already knew that that meant that there wasn't just like localized cancer somewhere. Like I had cancer that had Mm -hmm. spread and I was just like, like my heart just like dropped to my chest. I felt like I couldn't breathe. 
I'm like zooming in and out. And the Nick's mom notices that I'm like panicking. And she's like, are you okay, sweetie? I'm like, no. And my words to her were, dude, I think I have cancer. And she was like, no, like you're so young and healthy. They have to put everything in those reports. And I'm like, no, like I'm a nurse. Like I know what they put in these reports. They put in these reports what they think Mm -hmm. it is, you know? And the nurse is like, oh my gosh, is it already back? So she clicks on it and she starts reading the results. And then her voice just kind of trails off. And because, you know, as nurses, we're not supposed to like reveal test Mm -hmm. results um, or like say what it is. So I just started crying because I was like, dude, I like, and I didn't even know like what all of it meant. I didn't know like what kind of cancer it was. I just knew that it was cancer that had spread somewhere. And I just like literally couldn't even believe it because like you said, like you see it happen, but you never think it'll Mm -hmm. be you. So I was just shocked. And then my GI doctor came in like 15 minutes later and um, I'm crying, of course. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, have you seen my CAT scan results? And she like opened up the chart and she's like, you know, I know what it looks like, but I don't want you to be panicking all night. Cause at this point it was like late. So she's like, no one's going to come in and see you tonight. It's to talk right. to you about this. So I don't want you stressed out all night. Let's, you know, it could be this, it could be that. She's giving me all these different things that I'm like, we both mm-hmm. knew like what it was, but I knew that she just didn't want to stress me out. But I'm like, dude, like, you know, I'm a nurse. Like I know what this means. So, um, she's like, I'm going to put in some consults to some doctors. Cause she had mentioned like, maybe it's a ruptured ovarian cyst. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And I'm like, no. So the next day, um, I remember my best friend who's also a nurse came in and, um, she, I was like, can you do me a favor? Can you check in my chart, like with my phone and tell me what doctor she consulted and what kind of doctor it is. And I was thinking, you know, if it's an OBGYN, then we're probably good. Like maybe she's right. Maybe it's just an ovarian cyst, but if it's an oncologist and I already Mm -hmm. know, and sure enough, it was an oncologist. And I was just like, dude. So, um, I guess I should go back to the night before my husband was working and I didn't really want to call and freak him out because I'm kind of a hypochondriac sometimes. Like I always think I have stuff. So I'm like, if I call him and tell him right now that I think I have cancer, he's gonna be like, bro, <laughs> like, no, mm-hmm. you know, like there's no way you're young, you're healthy, like whatever. So I didn't want to freak him out and make him leave work. So I actually didn't end up calling him about it until like, I found out at like 6 PM. I didn't call him until like 1130. Okay. And I was just like, all right, like you've been at work way too long now. Like they can do the rest of it without you. Like I need you here with me. I'm pretty sure I have cancer. And he was just he like, told him what? He's on the like, phone? <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, because at first, at first when I called him and told him like, oh, it's just an ulcer. He's like, okay, well, after work, I'll come spend the night with you at okay. the hospital. And I'm like, dude, it's an ulcer. Like, no, you don't need to come spend the night with me gotcha. at the hospital. Okay, you know? here we go. Gotcha. And so <laughs> then, yeah, so then I was like, I'm like, I have to tell him over the phone because if I call him right now and tell him actually come to the hospital, he's going to like know something's wrong and then he's going to be panicking Correct. the whole way. So I was just like, you know, I think I have cancer. Like, we're not going to know for sure until tomorrow, but I pretty much know for sure. And um, so he came and spent the night with me at the hospital. Um, and then like my mother-in-law was there. My parents were there. Um, my best friend was there, but she wasn't in the room when the doctor came in and told us, but these two doctors came in in the morning, one was an oncologist and one was a surgeon. And, um, they were just like super matter of fact, like no bedside manner. Like he walked in and he was just like, yeah, so you have cancer. And, uh, I'm just like, kind of started carrying on and I was like, wait, okay. So I for sure do have cancer. And he's like, oh yeah. What? And that I was, was his like, verbiage? Yeah. And I was like okay, well, they, you know, they said that they were still going to try to run some more tests. He's like, no, 
you for sure have cancer. Um, and I was like, well, do you know like what kind? And he's like, well, we're not gonna be able to say for sure until, you know, you get those biopsy results back of your stomach. But based on your CAT scan, it's like 95% chance you have stomach cancer. And um, best case, you have ovarian cancer. Oh my goodness. And I was like thinking like best case. And my mind just flashed back to like my husband's aunt um, had just recently passed away from ovarian cancer at like, you know, late forties, had three mm-hmm. kids. And um, I just saw like the life that it like stole from her. She was so thin at the end and everything. And I was just like, dude, that's my best case. And I had never even heard of stomach mm-hmm. cancer before. And I had never had a patient that had stomach cancer before. So I was just like, mind blown, right. you know, and they were just like, the surgeons like, yep, you're not a surgical candidate. Um, so that's basically all I'm here to tell you. Cause that's kind of like what I do with surgery and like, you're not a candidate for it. So I was like, oh, so he basically just like left. And then my mom asks the question that everyone's kind of wondering, but like no one wants to ask. And like, we don't even know if we're ready to hear it yet, but she's like, so what's the prognosis? And, um, he's like, well, if she hadn't come in today, she'd be dead in six months. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And he's like, and you know, the standard treatment for stage four stomach cancer is, um, just chemotherapy for life basically. And, um, if everything works perfectly and, you know, she responds to all of her treatments and everything, she has five years and the longest I've ever seen anyone live with it is nine. So can you break down real uh, quick? Stage one, two, three, four. Can you just distinguish the difference? Because you were diagnosed with stage four right off the bat. How can you just let the listeners understand that difference real quick? Yeah. So like stage one would be just like this, the cancer's just in the stomach, like just in the the lining on the inside of the stomach. It hasn't spread anywhere. Um, Stage two and three, I honestly couldn't like fully distinguish, but basically like I think stage three is it spread to some of the lymph nodes um, around the area, but not to like any organs or like any other things like that. Stage two, I think would just be like, it's spread deeper within the wall of the stomach. Um, and like maybe has like one lymph node involved, but stage four is like, it's in the stomach, it's in some of the lymph nodes and it's metastasized to a distant place, which means it's not in the stomach. So the problem with stage four, the problem with stomach cancer in general is most patients are not diagnosed until Mm. stage four because there's not symptoms until stage four. Stage four is like when you start getting like nauseous and you start feeling full with meals. So it's like majority of people I meet, especially young people, they're stage four when Mm. they're diagnosed. So, um, yeah. So like I said, I'm like, just this bomb just drops. I'm thinking like, dude, I just got married and you're literally telling me that if everything goes perfectly, the next five years, I'll be on chemo. And if it works good, I'll just like live five years and just die. I'm like, I'm 27. I just turned 27, like the week before. And I just like, literally, like, I literally couldn't believe what I was hearing. But at the same time, I literally felt like God was sitting on that bed with me, just like giving me like the biggest hug and was just like literally audibly telling me like, Lexi, just trust me. And I promise you we're going to get through this. Chills. And I remember like my whole, yeah, like literally gives me chills because it was like so real to me in that moment. Like I wasn't even crying. I literally, my body was just shaking, I think, because I was like in shock. But my husband was crying. Like my parents were crying. Everyone was like bawling. 
and like literally I'm not crying my mom's like like are you okay like why aren't you crying like are, like what's going on I'm like mom I just know that I'm gonna be just fine like I can't explain it but like God's just given me this peace already that like if I just trust him like I will get through this and my husband just looked at me and he's like dude like whatever we're gonna go through we're, we're gonna go we're gonna get through it together and I was like, yeah, like we're in for like the freaking battle of our lives. But like, yeah, if we're going to do it, we're going to have to do it together. So I immediately switched on colleges <laughs> yes. after I left the hospital. I'm yeah, like, F no that way. Guy. Like, yeah. So he was basically like super, yeah, just like blunt and like no bedside manner. Just like, yep, we'll put you on chemo for the rest of your life. And like, good luck. You'll have five years. I'm like, no, bro. Like, that's not what's going to happen. So switched on colleges had a meeting with him. Um, one of the hard things that a lot of people don't realize, I guess, especially as a young adult with cancer is the issue of like mm -hmm. fertility. Um, Nick and I had planned on trying to have kids in t uh, 2020. Like that was like one of our goals. Like when he graduated from college in May, we would start to try to have kids. I mean, we had already been together since 2011. Mm -hmm. So we were like ready. Um, but we just like wanted to be, you know, in a house and financially stable and all this stuff. So we get to our first oncologist appointment and I'm like, okay, so can I like preserve mm -hmm. my eggs, you know, because with chemo, um, you know, chemo kills every like rapidly dividing cells, uh, which can be like on the ovaries. I mean, obviously in the hair, in the hair, which is why a lot of cancer patients lose their hair. Um, and so we asked that and my oncologist was like, no, like you don't even have time. Like your cancer is so aggressive. I would have wanted you to start chemo like months ago. So um, because with women, you know, you have to be on like these hormones and give yourself injections for X amount of weeks. And then they have to go in and do a procedure to retrieve the eggs. Mm -hmm. So it takes time. And he's like, you honestly don't have it. And I just remember like almost like wanting to argue, but Nick instantly was like, it doesn't even matter. Like, we don't even need it. Like what's, when can she start treatment? Like, mm -hmm. you know, he was just like very much like, it's not even an issue for me. Like I'd much rather you just right. like, be alive, you know? And we can always adapt or like, you know, it's not a guarantee that you'll lose your fertility. So like maybe in a few years, like when this is behind right. us, we can try, you know. Um, but that was like a really hard thing for me because I'm like, dude, I've mm -hmm. always wanted to be a mom. And this was like the year that we were supposed to do it. And I remember even asking, which is crazy, like, but when we first got married, I'm like, should we just try for a kid now? Like, you I mean, you're pregnant for nine months, ideally. So it's like by the time you graduate in May that'll be like when I'm having the kid and then like you can be in work. And cause his big thing was like, I'm not working right mm -hmm. now. I'm only in school. Like you're the breadwinner for right now. If you can't work cause you're pregnant, like, you know, how are we going to like live? So, so if, um, if you were to have gotten pregnant, what would have happened if you would have been diagnosed while you were pregnant? Would you have to wait for chemo until that pregnancy was full term? Or like, how would that have worked? See, and that's, um, that's like another way that God just like protected us because um, with some chemotherapies, you can, first of all, I don't think I would have been diagnosed during my pregnancy. Cause if you think about it, a lot of the signs of stomach pregnancy. cancer mimic those Absolutely. signs of pregnancy, like you're throwing up, you feel sick. So it would have probably all just been attributed mm -hmm. to my pregnancy. So it's like, I feel like it was almost a blessing. Cause like, I probably would have been diagnosed way later. And like the guy said, had I not come in, I'd be dead in Oh six my months. gosh. That timeline. So like. So it's mm. like, dude, yeah, it's like, man, like literally I would have been like dead, like right after I had this kid basically. And then like you were talking about, like, what if I would have been diagnosed? Like, let's say they were just like, yeah, this is not normal. 
it's like some chemos you can be on when you have a kid, but after like the second trimester, but I'm pretty sure the chemos that I would have to be on, like you, you couldn't like be on, you know, my chemos while pregnant. So yeah, either I would have had to wait or I would have had to like terminate the pregnancy. And yeah, so it's just like, literally, that's like another way that God was just like, dude, just trust my timing. Like it's not the time right now. Because even in December, when I started like really getting like really nauseous and stuff, I took a pregnancy test thinking like, dude, maybe I'm pregnant. And um, right. thank God I wasn't, you know, but yeah, it's just crazy. So um, after that oncologist appointment, you know, he's going through all these scans and stuff and he's like, okay, so like, what questions do you have? And I'm like, okay, my first question is like, how do we beat this? Mm-hmm. Cause like, I'm going to, I don't care what the statistics say. And, um, I had told him about our previous encounter with that doctor and how he's giving me all these numbers. And he's like, no, he's like, I never give anyone numbers. He's like, if we looked at statistics, you would have never even gotten right. stomach cancer because you're young, you're healthy. You don't have H pylori. You're not a drinker. You're not a smoker. Um, it's really common in like the Asian countries, like you're not of Asian descent. You know, we'd find out later on that I didn't have any genetic mutations that they were aware of. So, um, he's like, literally how you got it is like an anomaly. So like, if we looked at statistics, like you wouldn't even get stomach cancer. And second of all, a lot of the treatments for stomach cancer that are like the more promising ones have come out in the last like two or three years, which statistics only look back like Mm -hmm. in five year blocks. So it doesn't even account for like the new treatments that have come out. And um, he's just like, yeah, I never give my patients a timeline because I've had people come in that should have only been alive six weeks and they're here Mm -hmm. 11 years later. So he's like, you just never know. So he shouldn't have told you that. So he's like, I want you to get that out of your head. You know, like only God knows our time. And I was like, yeah, this is the doctor for me. Like, yeah. And he's like, we're going to treat you the most aggressive possible. Um, there's like a standard of treatment for stage four stomach cancer patients, but he's that aren't eligible for surgery. And, um, he's like, right now, like you aren't a surgical candidate. He's like, but I'm going to treat you as if you are because you're young. And I feel like you can handle the more aggressive chemo. So normally the chemo that I was on at first, um, you get four rounds of it and then, um, you would get surgery and then you get another four rounds. But because I wasn't a surgical candidate, but that chemo works really, really well. He put me on 12 rounds straight. Um, which is the most of flat, which is the chemo that I was on that I've heard anyone doing in a row. Um, yeah. And I was also put on Opdivo, which is, uh, immunotherapy because I got tested. Like my tumor was tested for, um, all these different markers and it came back positive for one. So I was eligible for immunotherapy. So I did flat chemo with immunotherapy for 12 rounds and the last three rounds of chemo or maybe four. I developed severe allergic reactions to one of the medications I was on and I was in the ICU being desensitized to these medications, but I still had an allergic reaction every time. So, uh, it was brutal. Um, but we got through it. My husband was like there for me and dude, I can't even tell you how important it is for the ladies listening. Like you need to make sure Mm -hmm. you are not settling when you are looking for a spouse, like don't get so antsy and like wanting to get married, wanting to have a boyfriend that you just settle because it is so important who you choose to spend the rest of your life with, because I literally could not have made it through my chemo. Oh oh my gosh. That's just Um, so chill. Like I just keep shaking. Like it's just, I I've seen the pictures. I've seen the way that he has stepped up to care for you. And a lot of men wouldn't do that, you know, especially, especially the right man for 
you. And I just think that is such a selfless love because you think and you, you see on TV all these dramatic stories of, you know, but he lost his arm and his wife is taking care of him or he got scoliosis and his wife does this, you know, whatever it might be. And again, you never think that would happen to me or this, anything could happen to me. And so to be in that situation and have your husband just be such a selfless lover to you and just the way that you can tell he cares for you is just amazing. Just unremarkable. I can't even put it into words. Yeah, he's like perfect. And I'm like literally thinking back to like our wedding and like, you know, you always say the vows, Mm -hmm. you know, for better, for worse and sickness and health. And you obviously mean those things, but to really live it out in the first few months of your marriage and to see someone just take those vows on so seriously and just like the sacrificial, like selfless, like lover that he is, I like literally could not have gotten through it without him. And I mean, even to this day, like he just pampers me and takes care of me. I've never, you know, I've heard horror stories like, yeah, when I started chemo, my husband started cheating mm-hmm. on me because I was so sick and we, like whatever, like never in a million years would I think that Nick would do that. Like he goes with me to every single doctor's appointment. He takes me to every single lab. Mm-hmm. Like I can drive, you know, but he never wants me to go alone to anything. You know, he's there for literally every single thing I've been through. Like he's been there with me. And even the hard things to watch, like when he had to watch me get my own mental biopsy, I was like in so much pain. I was awake during it. And um, he's like really squeamish when it comes to like blood and like procedures and stuff. So I kept telling him like, you don't have to go back there with me. You know, like you literally can stay here. I totally understand. Like, I know you don't, you don't like that kind of stuff. And he's like, Lexi, if you have to go through it, the least I can do is like watch and like be there for you. And like, that's just the kind Mm -hmm. of guy that he is, you know, like he's just been so, so amazing. What has it been like though in 2020 with COVID? What a year to also get diagnosed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was another thing is cause like I'm such a social person and I'm a nurse. So all my friends are in healthcare. So they've been like mm-hmm. the ones that are the most exposed. Um, so like I got diagnosed, started chemo February 28th, um, or like 26 or something. So like right before the pandemic started and thankfully none of my treatments have had to be delayed or anything like that. But there's been several times where Nick hasn't been able to go into chemotherapy with me. Hasn't when I've been I mean, I've had to stay at the hospital. He hasn't, he hasn't been able to be there for me, which is super hard, especially now, like in Michigan, like they're opening up mm-hmm. restaurants and like movie theaters, but it's like, I still can't right. have my husband there with me during chemo. And it just makes me so mad. Cause I'm like, dude, people are going out to eat and like, they're all like breathing all over each other. Right. Like I live with this man. Like, like I'm going through chemo. Like I'm not like just going out to have a good time and a meal. Like I'm literally going to get mm-hmm. like life-saving medication. I would really like for my husband to be here. So it was definitely like super lonely. I feel like for the both of us, because like, not only were we worried about catching COVID, it's like, we're worried about catching anything. Like my immune system mm-hmm. is absolutely, shite, you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, I mean, I felt like we definitely like for the first like few months of the pandemic, especially we were like completely isolated. We didn't leave the house for anything. Like Nick's mom brought over groceries and like sanitized them for us and left them like in our mud room at our house. And we would see my parents like through the fence in our backyard. Like that was about it. And then we started like slowly venturing out with like, you know, masks and sanitizers and only being around like Mm -hmm. specific people, you know? Um, But yeah, it's been like super lonely. Like my husband and I have literally been in our house for like over a year straight. Like that's not an exaggeration because like Nick works from home and like, obviously I've been home. I can't work right now. So 
yeah, it's been really, really lonely and it's hard not Absolutely. to get like depressed because you're just like, dude, this sucks. Like, right. I just want so to does, go back does to Nick normal. still work from home because his work is from home or is his work being flexible with him being able to help you? No. Okay. So he works with his dad and um, they have like a online like business thing Perfect. that they do together. So he's, yeah. So he's able to just like stay home with me, which has been like a, another huge blessing that another opportunity that God's just like opened the door for us to have this time. Cause like, honestly, I don't know if I could like literally get through the day without him. Like it's gotten to the point now where like we have separation <laughs> anxiety from each other. It's like, if, if I go to like go see my parents or something for a few hours, he's like, dude, I miss you. Oh, so that's like, so cute. So it's like, yeah, we don't even like being apart from each other for like 10 minutes, which like we've always been really close and like, you know, like being around each other. But I feel like because we've been together for like literally the last year straight. And I say that like like <laughs> in the most literal sense, we have not left each other's side. So like now, like when I was hospitalized like a week and a half ago for that week, um, he was like, dude, like this is so like sad being home without you. Like this sucks. He like he couldn't even like sleep at Aww. night. I'm like, dude. We are like pitiful. Like, well, I feel like we got to get a life. <laughs> also, go through such an experience. You just appreciate the strength of each other so much more, and by appreciating strength, yeah. it just develops such a deeper love and um, appreciation because it really puts in perspective that like you never know what can happen when it can happen and. So you need to start living your life like anything could happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I just feel like it's definitely changed, you know, both of our perspectives of people around us that are, we're really close to, especially like all of our perspectives on like how short life is. And like you say, you never imagine that it'll happen mm-hmm. to you, but it literally could be anyone, you know? And if it's not like a serious health thing, a car accident or whatever, like you just never know. And I look back on, you know, my life pre-cancer and I just think like dude what did you ever complain about like your life was so good like you were working your dream job like you just gotten married and it's not like I complained all the time but you know you just go through the day and you just grumble about things or you like don't want to go to work because you're tired or like whatever like you complain because you got your period because it just sucks and you got cramps and whatever and then you go through something like cancer and it's like dude like I don't get periods anymore because chemo Mm -hmm. is like drying up my ovaries and like that was like a a good thing that you got your period because that means you were like fertile and like could have children. And then it's like, you know, I complained about going to work and it's like, now I would do anything to just go back to work, feel to have the strength to be on my feet for 12 hours, delivering beautiful babies into this world, you know? And it's like, you know, I used to complain about going to work out because you're tired and you're like trying to push yourself to go to orange theory or to go do workouts and you whine about it. But now it's like, dude, I like sometimes have a hard time right. getting up the stairs. Like I'm so tired. Like I wish my body Absolutely. had the strength to work out. And I, I um, so yeah, just a lot never of taking appreciation anything for granted. made. So real quick, I want to skip forward. So we get through 2020 and we're, well, we're finishing up mm-hmm. 2020 going into 2021. And you've had some recent doctor's appointments too, that have now turned into a, a, a again, another chapter flipped. Um, would you just, would you just touch on that new part of your journey too? And maybe what led to that too? Yeah. So after I finished my 12 rounds of chemo in September, I got a clear scan. I was in remission and we were so excited because that was not something that was expected at all. It's not expected when you're in stage four to get into remission ever. Can you again just um, describe what remission is for dummies? 
Yeah. So it means like when I, when we have, um, so every three months when you're in active cancer treatment, you get a PET scan and a PET scan is where they inject like this radioactive sugar into you. They put you through a machine and cancer cells consume like 30 times more sugar than regular cells. So, um, on the scan, the cancer cells, if they're active and they're eating like a bunch of that sugar, it will light up on the PET scan. So they'll, they'll be able to see where the cancer is. So, um, at my PET scan in September, there was like no, no lighting up on my scan, which meant that there was no evidence of active disease in my body. So that meant that there was not really any cancer that could be detected from the scan. So we were super excited and we kind of, I was still on immunotherapy every other week and I was taking oral chemo. Um, but my husband and I were just like living our lives. We celebrated our one year anniversary, went to Colorado. Um, we were just like really making the most out of everything. Then we fast forward to December. And um, one of the issues I had with immunotherapy is it would make my liver enzymes get really high and that would cause me to have abdominal pain. So I went in like the first or second week of December with abdominal pain. I had really high liver enzymes. They gave me a bunch of steroids and it got better. Well, then two weeks later, I had another round of immunotherapy. Same thing happened. I had really bad abdominal pain. They gave me a bunch of steroids. I'm in the hospital. Um, and when I was in the hospital the second time, I noticed that like my right breast, like the right side of my right breast was really firm. And, um, I do like breast exams pretty regularly. So I was like, this is definitely abnormal. And I remember telling my oncologist like, Hey, you know, there's this new area of like firmness on the whole right side of my breast. It didn't feel like a lump or a bump. It just felt like, like it was like swollen and like firm. So um, he's like, you know, it's probably just inflammation, you know, from the immunotherapy, it'll go down with the steroids. And I'm like, I don't know. So like a week later, I'm on steroids, and I'm like tapering down on them, going, you know, slowly, like lessening my dose. And it's still there. And I'm and I told my oncologist, and he's like, All right, well, if you're really concerned about it, you can come see me. So I saw him and he felt it. And he's like, Yeah, that does feel like mass like, Right. Like, you're like, come on, please. Like, come on. I'm like, I was hoping he'd be like, oh, that's nothing. That's like a cyst, like, no, a mass. Like, come on. So he's like, yeah, let's get some testing done on that. So, like, long story short, I get some a mammogram and then I get a biopsy and then I get a call that I have breast cancer. And I'm just like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I still have stomach cancer, and now you're telling me I have a new kind of cancer. And and these aren't connected so, at all. Yeah. So here's the thing. So um, technically, if you have like a CDH1 gene, like a genetic mutation, you are at high risk for stomach cancer and lobular breast cancer. But I don't have that genetic mutation. Um, the chances of stomach cancer metastasizing to the breast are 0.3%. Um, so then after I get this call that I have breast cancer, I go see the breast cancer, like surgeon, she's talking about how we can't do surgery right away because I'm on chemo and they're going to have to take it to the tumor board because they're going to have to figure out what to do because this is like a really rare case. So I guess during that time she sent off my biopsy and got it like smeared, had a bunch of smears and stains and stuff like that done. And they came back like kind of inconclusive. They're like, I don't know. Like it's, it's like if, if it was like a primary breast cancer, it would come back for something that started with a G on the stain and it didn't. But at the same time, it doesn't have like the same features that my stomach cancer has. And the, like it's and, it, and it's hormone driven, which like stomach cancer isn't. 
So they're like still trying to figure out technically what? like what this is now. So I'm probably gonna have to go back. Yeah, this is like a new development that just like happened like a week ago. So I'm probably gonna have to go back and get it like rebiopsied and like sent off to a bunch of other places to try to figure what? out exactly what, what it is. So so what you're you're just breaking yeah. the news of this new form of thing literally that is going on. God is God is using you in That's a lot what I'm of saying. ways. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, dude, I don't want to be like a medical mystery. Like, I just want to have like a simple diagnosis that can be easily treated. But like, no, I would get, of course, like one of the most deadly, aggressive forms of cancer. And then I would get a second cancer and while what, I'm still trying to fight off the first one. And like I said, like no family. And what, what was the stuff? feeling like, when you then found out you had a second form? Did it feel just as, you know, traumatic or was it just kind of like buckle back up? Like, let's keep going. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I was sad at first. I'm just like, dude, do I really have to go through like a second thing of this? I'm not even done with the first one. But to be honest, as horrible as it sounds, it's like with as aggressive and deadly as stomach cancer is, because they were telling me it was a stage two breast cancer diagnosis. I honestly wasn't even worried. I was more worried about being off of chemo to get surgery Mm. that would allow my stomach Mm. cancer to grow more. Because with stage four stomach cancer, the five-year survival rate is 4%. So 4% of people diagnosed with stomach cancer that's at stage four will be alive in five years. So I'm like, dude, like the odds are already stacked against me. I got to beat the stomach cancer, like breast cancer. Like I understand it's still like, you know, we want to keep an eye on it. I'm not like blowing it off saying that breast cancer is not deadly. It totally is. But just having a more aggressive form of cancer I feel like my mind was just on like, I don't want right. my stomach cancer to grow while being treated for my breast cancer because breast cancer is still pretty early and I'm on a hormone blocker. So hopefully it will prevent it from growing, but I, I don't want to be off chemotherapy for my stomach mm-hmm. cancer because. So I just grows, have to ask, you know, because I can only imagine the traumatic toll that it takes on you mentally do are you as as a patient of the hospital or whatever kind of part you're in do you have access to like free therapy or like any form of therapist or like support groups within the hospital like how does that work and how like do you guys get that same access yeah so they have like um a social worker that works with like all cancer patients they have cancer centers um where they do have support groups um there's one in particular that like really interested me and I was kind of bummed because of course everything's meeting virtually with COVID and stuff um but they have like you know different like you know a support group for like breast Mm -hmm. cancer and a support group for lymphoma and a support group for leukemia and when I called and asked if they had one for stomach cancer they were like no (laughs) because it's yeah because it's like not a common kind of cancer so they're like no we don't we have like a young adults group that like might suit you And so I actually like went on Facebook with my friend, Abigail, who also has stage four stomach cancer. And we created a group called Stomach Cancer Sisters to add people that were 40 and under that were female that got diagnosed with stomach cancer. And there's over a hundred people in the group now. And um, we were all told, you know, you're one in a million. There's not that many people like you, but it's like literally within a matter of like a month, we had over a hundred people in this group. And we also started an Instagram page, um, Young Stomach Cancer Warriors, for anyone, like male or female, um, that have been diagnosed with stomach cancer. And, like, the common theme is that everyone went in complaining of problems. We all got blown off because we were young and healthy. 
and we were just stressed and it was just acid reflux and it was just this, it was just an ulcer. And then all of us ended up, mm-hmm. most of us with a stage four diagnosis. Um, and so we had that support group. And then as far as therapy, so my, it's not offered for free, but I do have good health insurance. And so I have like oh, a nice. $20 copay for therapy sessions. So, um, I do see, um, a therapist. That's awesome. That's probably does as so well. good for so. both of you to, to have that separate time and to deal with it, how you need to deal with it with that person by yourself. You know what I mean? That's, it's so crazy yeah, because the other day I was speaking yeah. with, uh, a friend here in town. Um, well, a newly found friend. I actually reached out to her randomly. We started chatting, whatever. Um, I emailed her with some follow-up stuff and blah, blah, blah. And she gets back to me and she apologizes for not um, getting back to me. She's a new mom. And she just found out Wednesday that her husband was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I just thought that that was so weird because wow. I've never heard, like you said, it is so rare Nonetheless, for me to go, oh my gosh, I know exactly the person to direct you guys to. <laughs> so I immediately, I immediately was like, first off, you should not yeah. be apologizing to me that you were in a whirlwind and you're sorry to email me back. Number one, and then I just said number two, like, and I, I tagged your handle and whatnot, and I just said I, I don't mean to like bombard you with <laughs> things. I'm like, but this, you know, this girl is young as well, and you know, yada yada. So, anyways, point being that yes, there are more people than you out there, and there will continue to be more people than just you out there. Because like you said, no signs, no symptoms other than when it's time. So if anyone's in the point of prevention or, or is there anything that anyone can do right now? So unfortunately in the U S there's not really like a prevention type screening for stomach cancer. The only way to really find it is through an endoscopy with biopsies. And sometimes, you know, because they only mm-hmm. take X amount of biopsies, a small amount. Um, sometimes right. even if you get biopsies, it's still not found. So it's really difficult. And honestly, stomach cancer was se- like severely underfunded up until a few years ago um, when Debbie's Dream Foundation stepped in and started advocating on Capitol Hill every wow. year to get funding for stomach cancer. So um, we now are in the budget, but as of literally like five or 10 years ago, stomach cancer got zero funding dollars in the U S. Um, because it was very common in the early 1900s when there was like lots of um, salt being used for preservation of food. Um, and then in the 1930s, when they invented the refrigerator, they thought they had basically eradicated, um, stomach cancer because the cases Mm -hmm. just like dramatically dropped. Um, but now we're seeing a rise in it again. And we can't really, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know why, if it's like an environmental thing, um, but my biggest piece of advice, a hundred percent is advocate for yourself, push for answers. Don't just accept, oh, you know, you're young, you're healthy, like you're fine. If you know something is wrong, go to someone that will mm-hmm. listen to you. And if they won't listen to you, go find someone else because it's, it's literally your life. It's like literally, I don't know. Like, I'm just so passionate about that because I, I, I think back and I'm like, what if I'd have been like, no F you dude. Like, mm-hmm. I know I need a scope. I'm going to go to someone else that'll give it to me. Like, could I have been Mm -hmm. diagnosed at an earlier stage, you know? And like, what would have happened if I was like, you know, all these tests are coming back negative. Like, I'm fine. You know, I'm just being dramatic or whatever. And I would have waited a few more months Mm -hmm. to go until things got really bad. You know, it's like you literally never, you never know. So it's like, even if you feel silly going in and, and, you know, like you feel like maybe I'm just like overthinking things. Like, it's always better to be safe than sorry. And that's why I love that you shared like your birth story about Maddox and stuff like that, because like Mm -hmm. you as a mom, like you knew something was wrong 
and you went in and that mm-hmm. literally saved Absolutely. his life, you know? So it's like, you need, you need to listen to your body. You know it better than anyone else. Don't let a doctor tell you, oh, it's just stress. It's just whatever. If you think something's wrong, advocate for yourself and push until you that's, get the that's so that important because for. I think when people think of the, the the term, you know, yeah, I advocated for myself. They're like, oh, so like, what does that mean? Or like, they don't understand, especially if you never had to do it before. So to know that it's okay mm-hmm. to be a nurse going to an ER because you have a, a curling stomach, that's okay. And if you're someone like me who your baby didn't kick yeah. for a few hours, you're not freaking out. You're not a, oh my gosh, you're not being dramatic. It's okay to go sit in a labor delivery and have it checked out. Um, and it, it doesn't matter the situation advocation exactly. for yourself and standing up and saying, Hey, I know myself we're in tune with our bodies. Do- doctors can do everything they can. They have medical devices. They have ways to see stuff that we can't, but at the end of the day, we know ourselves and we know our feelings. We know the pain that we're going through. Doctors can't, they can't feel that. They don't know that they can't get in tune with that. Um, and so, like you said, being able to just be, exactly. have that gut feeling that something is not okay. Um, that is just so powerful. So to kind of like pull this whole thing together. And I do think that we should definitely have another episode at some point as well, just like diving deeper into how to support people going through this and more. Cause I think that could be very beneficial. Um, coming from a, a family that has a history yeah. of different cancers, you know, I never really knew how to speak to my family and how to properly ask, you know, Hey, are, are you okay? Like, you know, how, how do you, how do you ask? How do you ask and how do you be sensitive, sensitive without making you feel small? Right. Um, and I think, I think that'd be like another really great episode to record here in the future. Um, but to pull it all together, can you just drop a few things, whether it be a word of advice to someone who's battling it themselves, whether it be to someone who is watching someone battle it, whatever, however you want to kind of wrap that up take the, take the floor. Okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say like, you know, throughout all of this, I can honestly say that God has been so good. And, you know, I often get people that ask me like, you know, if you believe in God and like, God is so good, like, why did he give you cancer? You know? And I, I think that God has, you know, the will that like the will that he commands, like he says something and it happens. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's like the will that God allows. And like, you know, I'm a Christian. So I believe like, you know, God sent his son, Jesus to die on the cross for us. And obviously that was painful. That's like his son, you know, he doesn't want to see his son die, but Mm -hmm. he did it because there was like a greater purpose in it, you know? So I feel like my cancer journey, there's been like a greater purpose. Like I've been able to connect with people. I've been able to like, I don't want to say like influence. Cause that sounds like I'm doing something like extra special. I'm not like, I'm just battling and I'm putting it out there for other people to see um, the good and the bad, but I just feel like God's used this so much for the benefit of other people. And not that that makes it like less painful because having cancer really does suck and there's no way to sugarcoat it. But I just feel like there's been so many good moments and so many God moments that I can look back and be like, yeah, like he's totally in it. And he has my back even on the hard times, like even when I'm feeling lonely. Um, again, the second point is like advocate for yourself a hundred percent. Like we talked about, never take no for an answer. If you know that there's something wrong, um, word of advice for anyone that's battling cancer is like, dude, you can do it. Like, don't look at statistics. Don't look at numbers. Don't Google a bunch of stuff. Just take it one day at a time. Trust your teams. 
and um, you'll be able to get through it. And if you have a loved one that's going through it, just be there to listen and to support. You don't always have to have the right things to say. Sometimes just being like, dude, I know this sucks really bad, but I'm here for you for anything that you need. And then actually like doing things like not just being like, hey, hit me up if you need something. But being like, hey, I'm bringing you dinner this mm-hmm. week. Like, what day, what night is good for you? You know, um, those kinds of things. But um, like I said, I'm just blessed, honestly, to be here. I was a, a year since I was diagnosed on Valentine's Day. And so, you know, making it past a year, I just look back and I'm just like, man, like, mm-hmm. look at all the memories like God's allowed me to make this year. Like, more time with my family, more time with my husband. Um I'm just super blessed, you know, and I pray that God gives me 60, 70 more years, you know, um, but I'm just very thankful for the time that he's already given me because it's more than what other, a lot right, of doctors absolutely. would have well, guessed by now. You saw your so, mom have a surgery. You said, hey, I, I want to help people. And this is just another way that you're helping people and in a way that you didn't think you would. And I think that, that that's even more powerful to look back and know what your 100%. purpose or, you know, what you set out for your purpose to be and sure you got in that dream job, that labor delivery, you were able to bring new life in the world. Um, and now you're on a different sector of helping people um, in, in preserving the, the amazing life that mm-hmm. you have and sharing that with so many people on such an intimate level. So I really give you props. I can only imagine that sometimes it can be really hard to like speak through these events again and like relive them. Cause I know how it feels for me, even just talking about Maddox, you know, and that's something that came and went right. You're, you know, you're still living yeah. in this actively. So I can understand mm-hmm. where that can sometimes be hard to almost speak that out and, and almost remember that you're living it. Right. Cause I'm sure at some moments it's almost like you might forget yeah. and you might drift off in a daydream and, and then you come back and you might have to have a conversation like this. So I appreciate your willingness to, be open and share because again, you just never know who can benefit from it. And even just someone like me opened my eyes to thinking, you know, how am I living right now? You know, why am I, why am I complaining about my period? Why, you know, those things you brought up, it's just such a valuable lesson for, for anyone. And, and I just, I really, really commend you. I know I've, I feel like I tell you that all the time, like you're so strong and you're such a fighter. And <laughs> you, I know that that's like yeah. the thing to say, you know, you're like, wow, you're, you fight so hard and you inspire me, but like you honestly do. You're, it's just another form of living that a lot of us never have to deal with um, to, so to find the strength for that, I yeah. just cannot imagine, but you just, it blows my mind. I can't even find the words. <laughs> thank you Des. like that literally means so much like I said like yeah everyone's like you're so strong like you're such an inspiration but like literally I am just a human dude I have my days where sometimes it's like hard to get out of bed and I'm sad and then I have other days where I'm feeling great and I'm like oh I can 100% beat this like you know you go through like these waves of emotions but you know for the most part I do feel like I've been pretty grounded and I've tried to share the good and the bad of having cancer, not just like, right, oh, right. like cute little pictures of me in my chemo chair, you know, because that's not what it is. But yeah, I, I really appreciate you. Like I said, <laughs> I've been following you since like 2017, back in like the good old days. And so it's been really cool to see over this past year, especially like just formulating a friendship with you. I think that you're amazing for that, that you don't just see people as followers, you see them as like friends, you know, and so you've just been a huge blessing to me from donating to my GoFundMe and my purchasing things off my Amazon wish list and just like 
texting me and encouraging me it's like I've been so grateful like my whole oh, that's so sweet I love like, it well yeah I'm so glad that we can awesome. connect and I want to make sure other people can also connect with you so throw out and I mean I'll put everything in in the show notes below even that Facebook group you mentioned the Instagram that you mentioned um your GoFundMe even like maybe places that people can be educated if you can share that with me so I can put that all in the show notes we'll have that there um but just tell everyone kind of like where to find you, uh, where maybe where to find you best. I feel like you're most on your Instagram, but in, in your Facebook too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook. So my Instagram is Lexi, L-E-X-Y, <laughs> and I know it. Like sexy, I, wasn't, I know I wasn't it, but Lexi, it, I know but... it. Uh, that was a good college move for me. Yeah. So um, sexy with an L. And then um, my Facebook is Lexi Patton. And I also have like a support page on there where I post updates and that's love and support for Lexi Patton. And then, um, I don't like have the GoFundMe thing memorized, but I mean, if you type in Lexi Patton, maybe you can find it there. Um, and I think that's like probably the best way. There's a couple of resources. I was hope for stomach cancer, um, Debbie's dream foundation, um, no stomach for cancer. Um, those are all some really good organizations. And, um, perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat and, uh, you know, I'm just encouraging you to continue to show up and continue to make those IGTVs. You need to, you need need to make a new one. Um, (laughs) that's your challenge for me for the month of, let's just say March in March. I want you to make one IGTV, whether it be an update or like a, a fun educational one or something like that. That's my challenge to you. I know I have a lot of like ideas Aww. in my mind, but it's like, dude, I look Sis, so throw, throw on something cute um, and I know walk I in, what is that? Like walk in 0.3 speed <laughs> and say you're a bad point bitch. Three speed. Yes. Yes. That's exactly tell what me I don't need feel to like do a bad before your IGTV. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, you have a great night. Right, and again, thank you that. for being on for um, not just the podcast, but also just for us to chat and stuff. And uh, we will definitely be doing a part two at some point. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. And I hope that you learned something from Lexi, were inspired by her, and truly just recognize the strength that this woman has. Um, a lot of people thrown in her situation would not handle it with such grace and perseverance as she has. And her story is just so bone chilling to me. And in the best way possible, it just goes to show that like she has so much faith and it just reminds me to have faith as well. So thank you, Lexi, for being on. And again, like I said in the episode, we'll definitely do a part two. I would love to keep up with her, see what's new, um, see how we can continue to support her and more. So make sure you check out the show notes below for all those things that she kind of listed off, her Instagram, the Facebook group, different ways to support stomach cancer research and more, um, as well as breast cancer as well. Um, So that's really it in terms of the podcast again housekeeping stuff, guys, just a lot of new things coming out, a lot of new launches. Um, as I've already um, kind of extended my announcement as well, I am officially a part of Petula, which I'm really excited to be a part of. I have a support code, so kind of works the same way with Buff Bunny. You guys can use my code at checkout to say, hey, Desby sent me give her 10%. <laughs> and that supports me as well as obviously that money is allowed to go back into this podcast. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram at brunch with Desby. Follow me, Desby, Despiefer, whichever one you want to do. And 
Of course, if you guys are interested in our upcoming challenge that launches April 4th for enrollment, six weeks to shreds, our fat loss focus program um, based around the education of fat loss, not necessarily needing you to be in a fat loss phase to be a part of it. Um, Thank you guys for the support on this podcast. Again, I can't believe it's almost been a year. Um, what, What an amazing time to look back on. And I can't wait to get to like our recap episode here coming up for my birthday that I'm gonna be turning 26. 26. Nothing rhymes with that. 26 sucks dicks. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Well, there's probably going to be the title for that podcast. So anyways, I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for giving Lexi the opportunity to share her story and listening to her. And I would just encourage you guys to go out of your way to support her in some way, even if it's just sending her a DM, tagging her in this podcast on your Instagram, you know, Hey, listen to your story, whatever it might be. Um, we need to support more people like her. So I love you guys. Hope you have a great day and we'll see each other next Sunday.